You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Benny and the Bets. What is good, everybody? Welcome into Benny and the Bets as we get set for another interesting week of the National Football League with no Kansas City Chiefs on the schedule, but fear not. Very excited to have our guest with us this week. He's the media and research director over at Action Network. Before that, he was doing work with the NBA, with ESPN, uh, with Bloomberg, also with Don Best, uh, and somebody that every Thursday, there's a set routine that I have in the morning. I will go and I'll get the kids out the door to preschool. I will come back, get ready for the other day job, but notably, I will head on over to the Action Network. I will find the weekly NFL betting trends and betting primer from one Evan Abrams, who you should be following on Twitter, on X, at Evan H. Abrams. The man of all the mythical stats, the legend himself, gracing us here on Benny and the Bets. It's great to have you on, Evan. I appreciate you making time for us today. Definitely. This is going to be fun. Uh, go through the slate, talk a bunch of games. I got some fun chief stuff, so we can, uh, you know, maybe a little trivia, a few guesses. It's going to be fun. We'll go through it. Absolutely. Before we dive into some of the local stuff that you found, and of course, sure. uh, we'll get Evan's perspective on the upcoming slate as well. I always love hearing the stories of moving into the sports betting space because while it's been around for a while, from the legal perspective, at least here in the U.S., it hasn't been something that's just stuck around for you know, 10, 15, 20 years. This is a fairly new industry. And I even remember when Action Network first launched and and Chad being an Indiana guy like myself, I had initial conversations with him, but I know that the two of you guys struck a connection and uh, you were able to really put something meaningful together yeah. in a lot of the the labs that was available, but also the research tools to be able to find some of the most unique and exploratory trends that were available on the market. How did the, the relationship first form? Yeah, well, I guess initially... So I, I met Chad at ESPN or even before ESPN. Uh, I had done a bunch of work with him. Uh, and then that's kind of how I got the ESPN gig where I, I worked at uh, ESPN Stats and Information for a while. Um, and then went to the NBA. I was at the NBA when, you know, Chad went from ESPN to the Action Network, gave me a call. He's like, what's going on? What are you up to? How's, how's life? And also, you know, this is what we're doing. And you know, are you interested, et cetera? Uh, and I knew at that point when we had that conversation, you know, we were talked about Sports Insights, which is now Action Labs. They have, you know, the tools and the odds and the systems and the, you know, all sorts of different, you know, now as props and all sorts of things that you would get in that nature. And I, I think it was the pillar of, you know, where this whole thing kind of started is some great data, some great information, some great tools, some easy tools, easy to use, uh, and kind of, you know, where it started from the ground up. So I, I think that's really the story with that. We use it to this day. Uh, tons of users. And it's obviously, you know, a subscription tool for us. But, you know, it's great. I mean, it's how I do a bunch of work. Uh, and and I, would got, I would say probably the best part about it, and we're talking about Bet Labs, which is, you know, used through action labs is kind of making systems right so like i look at all the games for the slate it's like 14 games and you know if i create something that says you know team road road right like bad coming off of whatever you know it triggers it sends me emails sends me alerts it's just 
makes life a little bit easier, which is, you know, when there's college basketball and NBA and NFL and all this stuff, it's just, uh, it, it's a good feature and a cool tool. Yeah. It's one of the favorites that I use over at Bet Labs. And I, I love being able to create a system that, let's say you have a hunch. So for a while, um, you know, the Cubs, one of my, one of my teams play, they're the only team in Major League Baseball that will play a day game. More often than not, if they're coming back, you'll, you'll have, you know, an opposing team that might be coming in either from a Thursday night game or they're coming in. And it's just the, the Friday day game, unless you're on the Cubs, is not really part of what you're accustomed to. Maybe in the division, it's slightly different. But if you're curious as to how Cubs Friday day games have <laughs> gone against the spread or whether or not you're you're looking for uh, just some money line percentage, um, over the last I think, five, six years, they've been 19 and nine. Uh, hitting at a 68% clip. You can find how the Chiefs have done as a nine-point favorite or more on the road in the Patrick Mahomes era, which is uh, something that I referenced uh, from Evan earlier this year right on this show. So it's a fantastic tool. And I I think it kind of leads into your process for going through and finding all these these systems, evaluating what trends you believe to make the most amount of sense. Because a trend is a trend, it's about how it's ultimately applied to everything else. So when you're diving in and putting together this betting primer, where do you look at the systems and say, yeah, I think this is applicable to actually betting this game versus, oh, that's a fun nugget. I, I might just include this just for fun's sake. Yeah, I, I think there's really two levels here. Uh, and doing this for this long, I think it's important to probably understand the two sides of it, which one side is a wagertainment level, right? Like at this point, we have tons and tons and tons of people from tons of different places telling you every day who to bet on. So I do think some of the systems are pretty decent in terms of predicting future results. Obviously, past results don't predict future results 100%. That's why there's lots of different elements that go into this. But I think some of it is just wagertainment. Like I think we're we're in a place where sports gambling is becoming such a you know topical thing every single day that it doesn't always have to be you know this needs to be something that makes me money immediately. I think it's there's there's a fun element to this, especially with so many games and so many things. Like yeah, I, I think there's a, an entertainment aspect. So. I do think there's a line there, but I also think some of these systems where, you know, I do think there's something to, and here's just a fun one uh, as an example that I believe works this week with the Washington game in Seattle. It's like teams go road to road with that second road game being in Seattle with, you know, the travel up there is not the easiest. They're like 12 and 38 in the last 20 years. Like there probably could be something to that where like, you know, the money line on Washington this week ending on the price, obviously, like uh, there's just so much that goes into this, but it's probably a tough spot. So being able to look at that data and for that to tell me that, you know, there's something to that. Now, another one that I can tell you that probably has, you know, very little to do where there's lots of noise involved, but maybe it's something super fun. Uh, So I just think there's a lot of levels to it, which is why putting together like a primer of this uh, aspect where you're analyzing every game and you're looking through systems and you're looking through, you know, not only just ATS trends, but, you know, I, I tend to love, you know, pressure rates and DBOAs and all these different fun stats and trying to encompass something that uh, it's just a fun article, you know? 
Have you found a stat each week, like amidst the hundreds of stats and trends and, and data points that you find? And you've been doing this for a long time. Do you still get to the point where each week you find something that just it gives you the the mind blown emoji? You go, I I can't believe that <laughs> this, or I can't believe that trend is is that crazy for this particular matchup at this time. That's the goal, right? Every single week, I do like a top things to know, and every week when you get to okay, we're at the end, we've done all the games through 14, 15, 16 games, whatever it is, you go back and you say, all right, like what's the coolest stuff? What's the most, maybe there's something super predictive or something I feel like that, you know, could continue as a trend or be actionable in some sort. Or what about the 49ers have covered 15 straight home games and it's the longest streak since 1950. Like there's certain top things to know and trying to figure that out uh, is super interesting uh, and super fun. And I think it's a difficult process when you have that much information. But yeah, the goal at the end of each week is to have something that wows me so that I can use it uh, and Action Network can use it and social and shows. And, you know, the goal is to uh, power and that's uh, make make other people smarter, make a bar conversation too, you know? No doubt. And, and I think the wagertainment component that you brought up before is critically important because I think, and to the credit of not just the sports books themselves, but the sports betting content providers, the places like Action Network, places like this show, and in the several different shows that you're a part of, I think we recognize that there is an entertainment value to it, that there is a fun community based aspect to it. And I think anybody that's trying to convince anyone of saying, well, if you're going to go ahead and just make an 18 prop parlay that's not going to be the best way to consistently try and find value on the board or be able to get rich i i think informed betting is now finding its way with the same way that we would talk about a regular breakdown of a game and i think that's just adding to the conversation where even a couple years ago i still think the narrative wasn't at that point yeah i I also think Think about the conversations that are going on across mainstream media. Like Colin Coward obviously has been doing this for a while, but even now you see him having these conversations that are that are even more intense, which are like, yeah, obviously teams on a back-to-back don't perform well. Or it's like different conversations are just moving into that ecosphere. Uh, and I think it's uh, uh, kind of bringing the conversation to a new level, which is why I think it's so much more fun. Like legalization has done a lot of, negative things i think we could have uh, understand that but i think the positive positive part about it is that everyone seems to be talking about this industry that we all love uh, and it's moved into a uh good place in a lot of ways all right so let's talk about some of the local teams as it relates to a lot of the findings that you have put together um you know i brought up uh on a, a spot that i did last week one of the notes that you had ahead of the denver game uh, which was a great note about how Patrick Mahomes up until that game had six, I think 16 or 17 career losses, just straight up losses over the course of this career. And if Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos had lost that game, he would have the same amount of losses as Mahomes would have had in his entire career, but on the Denver Broncos in a year and a half. So <laughs> it's, it was just a fun stat to be able to use. And again, did it ultimately have an impact on the game? No, but 
it's like you said, there was a water cooler aspect component. It was something that caused a little bit of stirring up between fan bases. It was great. With the Chiefs this year, I think when you're looking at them collectively, it's been weird to try to evaluate them, right? Because the defense has been so much better than we've seen in years past, and the offense has been floundering a little bit. Collectively as a whole, this has not been a good team over the last few years at covering the spread. They seem to let teams hang around. Mahomes at home has been very mediocre against the spread. They've been much better on the road. If it's less than you know three points, uh, his numbers against the spread have been terrific compared to a much larger spread. So I'm curious to get your your assessment both for this year with Kansas City and some sure. of the numbers that you found, along with collectively maybe what stands out about this team with Andy, with Patrick Mahomes, the betters here can kind of use in the back of their mind as maybe a guide for the rest of the season. Sure. Uh, so let's start with this. I just thought this would be fun. Just do you know what Patrick Mahomes is against the spread in his career? Against the spread, he's right. I think he's right around 500, even though his straight up percentage is like 80%, right? Okay. So he's actually 55, 46, and two. That's including the playoffs. So uh, it actually surprised me. And, and for this ex- uh, experiment, I looked nine games above. Now, when you look at the last 20 years, which that's what Bet Labs has for NFL, it has data back to 2003. Uh, so 2003 to 2023. Most profitable quarterbacks against the spread, Brady, Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. And I only talk about this because I found it interesting that Mahomes, you know, he's up like 600 bucks uh, when you do like a $100 per game wager, but he's a favorite all the time. He's laying points in every start. And those four quarterbacks being one, two, three, four, were also favorites in tons and tons of games, which I think the part about Mahomes being nine games over, super impressive. Because like I, I was with you. Like if I would have guessed, I probably would have said he's about one game over to one game under. Like it's right. I thought it was right around five hundred. Uh, now talking about this year, Chiefs are six and three against the spread. Now I tend to fade them a lot, and it hasn't been the greatest thing this year. Like I took the Dolphins uh, the other week, not great. Uh, now the scenario here is they're six and three, right? They were six and three in twenty twenty. They were six and three in 2017. So very different teams, very different way they got there, right? The defense versus the offense. And that's kind of it's been my mistake. I've been gambling against them because their offense has been so bad, but their defense has been so good. It's been keeping, you know, their offense under the rug a little bit. Right. Um, but here, here's the interesting thing I thought. So with Mahomes, and I feel like on the favorites, the podcast I, uh, I'm on with Chad Millman and Simon Hunter on uh, the Action Network, it's like, Every time you talk about Mahomes, I feel like you can do this with a bunch of coaches and a bunch of players where you just like pull up a card and it's like, okay, Mahomes a big favorite, fade. Small favorite or a dog, back him. Okay, he's at home, you'd probably fade him. He's road neutral, all right, you would back him. It's like, okay, he's at home, you probably go under. Okay, he's on the road, he tends to have more overs. Like these are types of things I feel like you could probably do with like a bunch of coaches, right? Like Tomlin, all right, he's supposed to win, he's a big favorite, not a good spot. All right, he's rah-rah spot on the road, underdog, perfect, give me Tomlin. It's like some people tend to, and now over time, right, like if you're trying to cover 56%, 55%, you're going to lose and you're going to win. But at the end, you know, some of these stereotypes of some of these quarterbacks and coaches tend to work out. And that's what I just went through is pretty much what people use for the Mahomes. And with Reed too, it's it's 
he's always been great with rest, right? So, you know, I believe I'd have to look at this, but I believe week ones and then rest throughout the season, you know, rest through the playoffs, buys, you know, they, they tend to perform well. Yes. And also, given your point about how often Mahomes is a favorite, since 2018, Chiefs are 6 0 1 against the spread as an underdog on the road. Like, there's only been seven games since <laughs> Mahomes officially became the starter that they've been an underdog away from Arrowhead. And as an underdog in general, we're only talking about 12 games and they've gone 8 3 and 1, covering just under 73% of the time. It, it's a remarkable stat. And again, I. To your point, it, it will the narrative will oftentimes help allow some of these numbers to kind of make sure we understand it from a betting perspective a little bit differently. You talked about Andy Reid off the bye week. He's been fantastic over the course of his career in winning those games, but against the spread, it's a much different story. So that's yeah. another opportunity where we can look at some of those numbers and think, okay, their week, you know, their upcoming matchup next week. How much are we going to want to lay on Kansas City knowing that these games are actually a little bit closer, but more often than not, Andy Reid tends to win them. Yeah, ATS is the great equalizer. Uh, the other the other interesting note uh, this year, second half unders, Chiefs 9-0. So that just proves their defense, only team 9-0 in that spot to the under. So every game, it just, fourth quarter just drags, drags, drags. Uh, so interesting. Very, 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 very interesting note. And also... I'm thinking about that game against the Chargers from a couple weeks ago. Um, I think the Chargers and Justin Herbert, I know you've made reference to this uh, throughout your betting trends article. We're talking about historically bad quarterbacks against the spread in the second half. Like, what, was, what is his ranking? 245 out of 250 for against the spread quarterbacks? Fading the Chargers in the second half live is one of my favorite bets that feels like an autoplay each and every week. It's the craziest thing. Uh, I, honestly, when I first looked it up, I honestly didn't even think it was true. I had to keep refreshing just to make sure it just it sat right. Um, but it's 17, 36, and 5 uh, against the spread, second half for Herbert. He's 250 out of 254 uh, quarterbacks uh, since 2005, I believe, with the second half numbers. Uh, and, and then even further, when he has a lead at the half, and he actually, I believe, in his last game against the Jets, got a win in this spot. So he was with a lead at the half. He was seven twenty-five and two second half against the spread. He got a cover, so eight twenty-five and two. But just unreal numbers that you feel like would just be made up. Yeah, and those are the type of stats that you'll find in Evan's column over at the Action Network every week. Um, you also had some good numbers on some of the local teams for college football this week. KU at home, three and a half point favorite, pretty much standard across the board as we're recording this uh, at eleven o'clock Central Time against Texas Tech. Meanwhile, K-State, a massive, massive favorite against Baylor. We're, we're looking at right around three touchdowns. You can still get it at 20 and a half, uh, depending on where you're shopping. Um, curious to get your perspective on, on some of those games, any uh, trends that you have found. Uh, sure. And then there's also, uh, there's also a team like Mizzou, uh, who's a one and a half point dog. You can still find them at one as well um, this week at home against Tennessee. So some of these local teams, uh, what have you discovered heading into this week? Sure. So start with Kansas. Uh, just my opinion in this one. So Kansas back-to-back upset wins. Uh, I believe they've just reached a bit of a, uh, I think we call it inflation spot in the market a bit with the with Kansas. Um, I just think also Tech a bit better than their record shows. Just go across the board in all their games. Lots of 
weird college football flukiness is what I would call in some of them. Uh, also, if you want to look at needing in a situation, Tech 4-4 four and four definitely needs this one. Uh, also, Morton returned last week for Tech. Decent in the spot. I'm going to take the points. I like it. Uh, I got three and a half, I believe, earlier in the week now down to three. So I think people are starting to like Texas Tech as well a little bit here. Uh, and then Kansas State um, went from 17 to 21. I'd still lay under 21 is probably the key number for me. I mean, if you're looking down the list of things to, that's interesting with the game, 10 to 12 mile hour wins. So probably something to keep an eye on. It looks fading a little bit. So maybe it's like a first quarter, first half conversation. Uh, and Kansas State's been actually pretty good in this spot. So eight and four in the last 12 is a double digit favorite. Uh, and it's actually a pretty big spread for Kansas State. Uh, at 21, it'd be the biggest conference spread for K-State since 2021 against Kansas. And then before that, 2017. So pretty big spread at 21, but I think I like it. Wow. Yeah, and, and historically, since Chris Kleiman has come to town, they've been one of the better covering teams, not just in the Big 12, but in college football as well. So another thing to consider, especially with some of this coaching data, uh, to consider for the week as well. Evan Abrams is with us here on Benny and the Bets. We're going through not just some of the local teams, but on the other side, uh, there's still a full slate of NFL games this week besides the Chiefs being off. So we'll go through some of Evan's favorite notes that he has found that can help you over the course of this week become a more informed and also a little bit more educated better. Stay with us. You are listening to Benny and the Bets presented by PXG. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. All right, Evan Abrams, the media and research director director over at the Action Network, is with us here on Benny and the Bets. Where I want to start with you this week, before we get into all the actual games, is these this crazy amount of unders that are consistently hitting <laughs> over the course of this year. It's been remarkable to the point where it doesn't feel like it's slowing down, and yet more often than not, these November-December games snow and rain and wind in particular that really is going to bring these numbers down Uh, more often than not this is when the market adjusts more so towards the under i'm curious to get your perspective as to whether or not because scoring is down if you see this under trend continuing for the rest of the year how much sports books are likely to adjust because of this under trend hitting and how we as betters can be maybe a little bit ahead of the game when it comes to maybe what to expect the rest of the season Man, uh, this is just such a large topic because uh, it's a weekly fight for anyone who bets NFL totals. Uh, because if you look even over the last three years, the way unders have started, and I believe it's even through eight, nine weeks, massive, massive profit. So it's not even like, and what you said entering this segment, which usually had been right, which is later season, colder games, lower totals and unders used to be kind of how it went but recently it's just unders all the time like mm-hmm. we just it's it's honestly something I, I i've never seen before in my years of you know handicapping the sport and the the totals right now are the lowest they've been i believe since 2010 2011 uh through nine weeks uh touchdowns per team are at their low in the last decade or so. And I know this field goals made per game is highest uh, per team right now ever. 
like ever. So I, I think your situation is red zone stalling and lack of scoring touchdowns are down massively. So I think they will lower totals. I think we are also about to get much like I think this week is really your Mendoza line, right? I, I think if unders come in again and you really start to get colder in some of these games the next week or two, you might see tons of 37s and 36s and 35s versus 38s and 39s and 40s. I feel like what you're seeing now. Now, this week as a whole, and I actually just looked at this five minutes ago before we started this segment, we actually have some games where the total is higher than the open, which hasn't been something that's happened in previous weeks. So, you know, I even look at that Bengals... Texans game open 44 and a half now 47. Um, what's another example? Another example would be uh, Minnesota, New Orleans, 38 and a half now 41. So, uh, you know, even the London game, which I bet under 44, uh, open 41 and a half now 43. So, right. just something I've noticed. Yeah, it's it's incredible, especially the primetime unders. As well, you mentioned in your article this week, the Monday night football unders in particular, 10 and one so far in 2023, going all the way back to 2019, uh, 55, 28 and one. So um, maybe there's a reason that ESPN paid uh, Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman a little bit more money knowing that scoring was likely going to be down and they needed a little bit more of an entertainment product uh, to bring people in on the broadcast. But uh, pretty remarkable stuff as far as that and the unders collectively, especially over the last several years. All right, so let's let's go through some of these games this week. And I'm curious if there's a matchup or two in particular um, that's caught your eye, especially with some of the notes that you found, if there's been crazy movement on it. What what sticks out to you for this slate initially? Um, okay, so I think off the top, it's hard to ignore the 17 on the board. Like, I feel like it's just a fun conversation in general. Like when you walk into the bar, your friend's going to ask you, well, have you seen the Cowboys line? Um, so 17 would be the biggest spread this season. Um, I think normally, and I have to look this up, unders are the play when these lines get really, really massive. Now, the look at on this game was 48. It's down to 39. Uh, I played it under 40. I still think it's a good play. I, I, I don't know how Dallas doesn't cover this game. Um, in my opinion, the one note I will say, and I, I guess you could try to explain this one to me as well. I, I asked a friend yesterday, he didn't really have an opinion. He didn't know why, but Dallas first quarter, uh, I bet it at three, it's up to three and a half, but feel a little light. Like if first half is 10 game is 17. If the veto looks bad first drive, if Dax scores to me, it just felt like it should be a little more. That's that's kind of how I played the game. Now, historically, double-digit divisional dogs, and I can look this up as I'm sitting here, but they've done well. They've covered, and especially later in the season, like November area, uh, it's like 55 and 89. Uh, so bad for division fa- double-digit favorites. Um, so it would tell you to take the Giants, but I, just, I can't. I don't see it. I always think about what, what Simon Hunter talks about on the favorites too, with any time you have this discrepancy of a line for a divisional game for a road team in particular, like that's almost setting up perfectly. But then again, it's the Giants and without 
anything relevant at the quarterback position. Maybe the number is low for that first quarter because they just go super run heavy with Barkley at the beginning of the game. And maybe that churns time off the clock. Maybe the Giants, whose defense hasn't been atrocious. It's been bad, but not atrocious. Fair. Maybe hold Dallas to a field goal. It's 3 nothing, And then second quarter, like I've, I've gotten burned on a lot of first half over 13 and a half on games that were shootouts because the team that was about to score scored on the first play of the second quarter. And then all of a sudden you're once thought the line went from 13 and a half to 14, 14 and a half. You're screwed either way. That's my only line of thought here because Dallas has actually been very good at home and they've been gone scoring on opening drives too. Yeah. Uh, here's the stat as well. Double digit favorites in divisional games, 122, 149 and nine, 45% against the spread last 20 years. In November or earlier, 54, 85, and 6, uh, 38%. So pretty tough. I would tell you to take the Giants, but I don't know how it's going to happen. A <laughs> um, couple intriguing matchups, at least looking at it from you know an entertainment perspective. Not sure if there's necessarily a major edge here. Um, you have a Houston Texans team that's sitting at around 6, 6.5 against Cincinnati. Um, the Bengals the last few weeks, I, I took Buffalo last week in part because the metrics did favor the Bills throughout the course of the year, but it was another close game in which Buffalo failed to get the job done there. You know, to borrow a term from uh, you know longtime Chicago radio guy and Jason Goff, the Bills are bum slayers, you know, <laughs> they'll just go out and beat the hell out of you. But anytime, you know, you, you got to tighten up a little bit, it just does not seem to go their way. Meanwhile, Cincinnati is really starting to play their best football. I'm looking at this matchup six and a half and thinking to myself, I don't know where to go because next Thursday, Cincinnati is playing on the road at Baltimore as a potential look ahead spot. And you have Houston, who I feel is going to be severely overinflated after what we saw CJ Stroud do last week against a bad Tampa Bay secondary. So curious, anything that you found from this game that maybe has stood out? Sure. So, I mean, just in terms of gambling, I tend to really enjoy betting on the NFL roller coaster week to week. You know, teams off wins fade the next week, teams off losses, you know, come back. Right. So, this scenario is kind of a nightmare because both teams are just riding the high right now. And you're in a situation where the look ahead was nine and a half for Cincinnati, now down to six and a half. At six and a half, they're asking you to bet the Bengals. Right. Because it just, that's the situation. Now, personally, I would love to bet Cincinnati. Like, I, I had kind of wished they didn't look as great. Where it, where it could be like everyone praising Stroud, walks in his game, off the huge performance. He's, you know, riding on water and, you know, we come in and lay the Bengals. Um, so, to me, that's probably the situation I would be looking at from just a betting perspective. Um I mean, trend-wise, everything's going to tell you to take Burrow. Um, I mean, the guy covers, and when he's off not covering, he covers. And it just, in, in every situation, he's a cover machine. But one thing as well, he's been playing under. He's 28-18-1 last three seasons. Uh, third best of 94 quarterbacks, which is intriguing. You wouldn't take that to be the case. So even in a lower-scoring game, if that's the case, Tells you to take the dog, right? Um, so, I don't know. This is a tough one. Yeah. It's right now sitting at uh, 46 and a half at DraftKings, 47 
pretty much across the board everywhere else. Um, I can't help but wonder, too, if, if that's going to be another public push to maybe get it to 47 and a half. I guess if DraftKings is already down to 46 and a half, maybe not. But maybe one can be hopeful in thinking that we might be able to get that hook and take the under. Um, but fascinating game. I do I mean, think that. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, the look ahead was 44 and a half up to 47. So it's another game where total's higher than it was. Um, and even at the markets right now, everyone loves the Bengals, but they won't budge off six and a half. A little fishy. Yes, very much so. I do think, by the way, I know that most times in the standard rule of a teaser is to get it through seven and three. But I'm looking at those two AFC uh, South teams, or excuse me, AFC North teams uh, at home in Cincinnati and Baltimore. Uh, at six, six and a half, and, and can't help but think about maybe that being uh, a teaser opportunity to just have them win straight up at home uh, against Houston and Cleveland, respectively. Um, the 49ers and the Jaguars are another intriguing matchup where you have San Francisco, who look like the clear-cut favorite, even more so than, than Kansas City from a handful of weeks ago, uh, to just bulldoze their way through the NFC, get to the Super Bowl, uh, and all of a sudden Brock Purdy is starting to look less and less like uh, the the carriage and more of a pumpkin. Um, they're still a three-point favorite West Coast to East Coast uh, in Jacksonville. Um, yeah. But are we maybe looking at this 49ers team in an ideal buy-low spot after the buy? I play Jacksonville. I, I think you're going to see a lot of people in a lot of different scenarios where if you like San Francisco and you believe in Purdy and you believe in this season and the whole deal, this is your spot. Right, This is off of three straight losses, off of the bye, get ready, line low. As you said, this is the spot. I just like Jacksonville. I think they're a better team. I like their offense. I took the hook, so I, I liked it I liked it earlier in the week, uh, now down to three, which I think is probably fine just as well. Um, I was curious, so I looked it up, and this was in my article, but the Niners are the third team in the last 20 years to lose three straight games but have a win percentage of 60% or higher uh, this late in the season. So basically telling you, really good team, losing streak out of nowhere, doesn't happen often. So this is just a spot where if you believe in San Francisco, this is it. I'm not as big of a believer in just hurt Purdy in general, especially on the road. Uh, if I'm believing correct, that was eight and one, yeah, eight and one against the spread at home, two and five against the spread on the road for Purdy. Uh, so... I'm a Jags guy. And here's here's a honestly, it was at the top of my article, one of my favorite trends of the week. Um, expect a low scoring game, question mark. <laughs> when both teams are on an extended rest, which is eight days or more, the under is 99, 47, and one since 2018, including 23 and five so far this season. So both teams on extended rest. Uh, that is Jaguars, Niners, and also as it is almost every week, usually Monday Night Football. So week-to-week, unders already hitting at a historic pace. Rested unders, it even flies past that number as well. All right, so much good stuff with Evan Abrams of the Action Network. Before I let you go, uh, some intriguing Lions matchups for the remaining AFC West teams for this week. You have the Lions and the Chargers in LA. Chargers are a three-point dog at home. The Broncos, seven and a half point dog on the road uh, in Buffalo. And in the Sunday night game, Raiders right now, anywhere between uh, one point dog at home. Uh, one of their book has them as a pick em. Uh I'm on the Raiders. 
I'm on the Broncos, especially with that hook. And I, I'm fading the Chargers here, Evan, just because I, I like what Detroit can do to neutralize them. Uh, and also kind of what we talked about before, you have Dan Campbell, who has been one of the best covering coaches since he came into the league the last two and a half, three years, versus a Chargers team that can't ever seem to get the job done in the, in the second half. So what say you about these three matchups in the AFC West? Well, the beauty of this is uh, we we didn't script it. We didn't talk about this before. And I, I think we're on the same side mostly here. I, I like the Lions. Uh, I think the spot's good. They're on uh, rest. Chargers off a good primetime emotional fun win. Um, getting healthier from the Lions side with Montgomery back, rushing the ball, which Chargers have some issues stopping. Uh, then you've got Goff, who usually we don't really love on the road, but now he's in the Chargers in the stadium he knows in a good, you know, indoor situation for him. So I, I think the Lions are a good spot. So that's probably how I would be playing that game. Now, if you're asking me to try to figure out what's going to happen with Jets Raiders uh, in prime time, I, I'm not really sure what to do with that game. I, I just lean under. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the total is probably the move. Uh, hasn't done much because when you open at 37 and a half, there's not really much... You know where to go. Uh, I think at that price, I probably do like an under. I think from the game in general, listen, the Jets are probably the spot. I just don't know if I can stomach it. Like coming off the performance last week, you probably get a you know decent offensive game, a bit of a bounce back, some sort of game plan, and the Raiders coming off the emotional first game with Pierce. You know, I, I think there's a bit of a leapfrog effect right I, I think it doesn't happen every week they tend to come back and the Jets defense is a different animal so maybe the Jets are the right side and then I'm with you on Denver I don't understand that line like I, I could do an entire podcast right now probably on just that line because I, I don't understand it it should be less than seven seven and a half just feels like so much based on everything we have seen Buffalo do week in and week out I feel like you're getting a point or point and a half here, literally just based off the fact that their quarterback is Josh Allen and the name is the Buffalo Bills and it's in Buffalo. And the and the the perception of Denver and their quarterback and their coach, it just it feels inflated to me. I think so too. And I forgot to mention my favorite stat that you pulled uh this week heading into the Thursday night game with uh Carolina and Chicago. Uh, you listed all of the starting quarter quarterbacks in their rookie year that are under six feet. Bryce Young, one and six straight up. Kyler Murray, five and 11 straight up in his rookie year. But everybody else, Pat Hayden in 1976, Doug Flutie in 1986, <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson, who we have the aforementioned Russell Wilson in 2012, and then PJ Walker in 2020. All of them above 500 records straight up. So uh, sometimes the little guy able to, to come through just as well. Evan, I appreciate it. This was so insightful. This was so much fun. Thank you for making us uh, a little bit smarter this week, as well as every week with all the work that you do on the Action Network. In addition to to following you, listening to you on the Action Network, uh, where else can people check out all of your work? Yeah, Evan A.J. Abrams on X or Twitter, whatever they're calling it these days. Uh, and uh, I put picks into the Action app, Evan H. Abrams on there as well. Uh, aside from that, you know where to find me. I'll be around. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Evan.